0: Hello and welcome into this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab. Folks, it's a major championship preview. We're taking all the favorites, all the contenders, all the pretenders of this week's PJ Championship at Oak Hill. Hometown event for yours truly. So we're talking Oak Hill. We're talking PJ of America criteria. We're talking how the live golfers will fare. This is sure to be a meaty one, although Rex has a hard out. Rex, we've got a couple hours to kill. Until our live from hits, uh, it was expected to be 45 degree temperatures. Uh, what's top of mind at the moment for you? A garbage plate. You forgot about
1: garbage plate.
0: Garbage plate. Got to talk about those. If you, if, you, if you folks have never heard of a garbage plate. And if you uh,
1: missed this afternoon's live from where I asked you on air about a garbage plate, and instead you talked about pooping.
0: Yep. So, uh, I believe that's either the second or third poop reference I've made on live from. Live TV. Uh, that no one has caught. Has yet Gross. if you're not familiar with a garbage plate it's kind of like a like it sounds like it's hamburger it's hot dog it's italian sausage it's mac and cheese it's beans all just piled on one plate why would why? you do it i don't know i have no idea why the popularity I, I wouldn't like go out of my way to recommend one for someone. like they're not they're not delicious like not, but you were like born not, and raised here. Give me someone who can tell me the origin story of this. Uh, the origin story is a, it's a Rochester garbage, but I was not born and born and raised in Rochester. I was I was raised in Canada, New York, which is part of the Finger Lakes, about thirty minutes south of here. This is um, we're in Pittsford, New York, uh, although uh, some are using the dateline of Rochester. Uh, Pittsford is a very leafy, leafy community, uh, in, and I was born decidedly. Middle class. We were not. We were not familiar with garbage plates in Canada. It was only uh, until I got older, you know, and when I was flying out of Rochester Airport, when I would dabble in the garbage plates. I, 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 I gave you this advice on the air. And you're flying out on Sunday morning. You're not even going to be here for the final round of what's sure to be a thrilling PGA Championship. I would not recommend eating a garbage plate before then boarding the plane i don't care if you're getting upgraded as you typically do uh on on your hashtag delta flights uh, i would not eat one despite uh, nick tahoe's being very very close to the airport do not eat one before you get on that plane can't, can't stress that enough I, uh, there I could like be some internal the... combustion
1: there it is so i would love that we lean into the funny like i i, I like the idea that you and i Try to make jokes, very few of them land, but at least we give it a sh- chance we We mix we try to mix some humor in with our analysis. but why do you always have to go straight to that? Why is it that we always have to go to the lowest common denominator can't it, and you do it on live TV as you said, this is the third or fourth time that on live TV you have gotten around to the idea that
0: this is a problem for me pooping <laughs> why, why Why has no one said anything are they are they not are they not listening are they are they not watching? Do they just look at the the, the rundown, it says five minutes. They don't care, they don't care how we get there, what we're, what we're talking about, as long as, they, as, they long as we hit the, the checkpoints.
1: Uh, no, they don't, they, they don't care. I think it, it says a lot about you, though, but that, that's where you always end up. And, and I always end up with the exact same response, yuck. Like, can't, can't we keep it a little bit more highbrow than that? Why
0: do you have to go blue every single time? I think it's because I have two kids under the age of four. So my, my life is still very much dominated by poop, I, I mean, I would relish the the opportunity to not discuss it every every night with my wife, but the the conversation always devolves into so who pooped, <laughs> who who got who got poop on you? Uh, it's very much uh, unknown at this point. I'm very much enjoying uh, the home game. It's been a it's been a great uh, return for me. I'm staying with my dad, he lives about ten minutes away. Uh, you are uh, did not join us for dinosaur barbecue. Uh, he did treat work. us. He did treat. Uh, five of us scribes uh, to a wow. delicious brisket and rib dinner. This is a busy day at Oak Hill. This is the day they typically have the most players come in through the uh, press conference area. The headliner uh, to me and kind of the predominant storyline at this PGA Championship is which Roy McElroy are we going to see? Was it the one who was downright buoyant uh, leading into the Masters only for him to be uh, deflated and miss the cut there? Uh, or is it going to be kind of the, the player we saw at the Wells Fargo championship who um, was a little bit muted, I would say, didn't have quite the same zest or enthusiasm for life? What were your impressions of Roy today as he met with the press first off?
1: Uh, I, and we talked about this on Live From. I we,
0: You just broke always, your mic, didn't you?
1: Uh, I did. I thought I fixed it, though, in time. Apparently, I did not. Um, the problem is, is I bent the I bent the cable, and so if anybody from NBC Sports uh, is just listening, listening. This, and you can help God, me, out help me. yeah, please help me out here. Uh, and it's very very heavy, so I'm just going to go ahead and give up and go with the and, and go with the air. I this was my line. When we brought this up, we talk all the time about players and coaches who win press conferences. That We always have the idea that, okay, this guy had an absolute great press conference. I think Rory lost that press conference. And it's weird because, as you pointed out a month ago at the Masters, more or less a month ago at the Masters, I mean, here's a guy that was just on top of the world. I mean, he had lined up. It seemed like everything was finally going to go his way. He was finally going to have an opportunity to get the green jacket. And now, a month later, I've never heard him sound so defeated. I've never heard him be so short of questions, specifically questions, anything that had to do with Liv Goff. He just deflected, shut it down. I thought one of the more interesting answers that he gave is that he, he wants to sidestep the narrative. And he hit, and he answered with a very simple and very direct yes. That's what he plans on doing. He has gone from the outspoken spokesman for the PGA Tour. He has gone to Jay Monahan's best wingman. Because in this particular case, like that is – who Jay needed in his corner in this particular fight too. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. And I guess my takeaway was we kind of knew there would be a toll. We kind of knew that there would be a price to pay for him sort of investing as much as of himself into this fight and sort of mixing that activism with his day job, which is a professional golfer. And that demands a lot of time, a lot of energy. I, I think all of us sort of knew deep down inside, there would be a toll. But when you finish second at Bay Hill, after I think it was like an eight hour policy board meeting on Tuesday when you were able to deliver last year at Eastlake with essentially the weight of the entire PGA Tour on your shoulders when you're able to win the Canadian Open. And the only thing that's going through your mind as you're finishing up that victory is Just tweaking oh, Greg Norman. This is my 21st PGA Tour title. That's one more than Greg Norman. That's your first comment. Like the idea that he has been consumed by this and that he's done a 180 in the last month. That for whatever reason, he's decided that I want out. I don't want to smoke anymore. I
0: found that fascinating. Don't you think that's just a convenient excuse? I mean, if Roy McIlroy was going to have a breakdown, it was going to be last summer, right? When he's playing great golf, he's literally remaking the PGA Tour on the fly. I'm not privy to what's going on behind closed doors with Roy Mackerel. I certainly have some some theories. I think it's it's all related to the Masters. And on he met with us on Tuesday at Augusta National, and I thought he was expansive, he was reflective, he was hopeful on Wednesday. Uh, he said he hit it great, and he's been quoted recently and saying, like I was never more sure of anything in my life that I was going to play well at the Masters. And the fact that he didn't seems to have like rocked him to his core. Like he doesn't under he doesn't, he doesn't know what's up, he doesn't know what's down, he doesn't know what's around the bend. I, I think that has, has, has totally rattled him. His, it's his confidence, it's his psyche. It, it was one of those moments where, you, you know, it's easy to, I think, if you're playing great, to, to kind of shrug off. Like I'm looking at Max Homer right now. And he once again did not play well at the Masters. So doesn't have a top ten in a major championship. But he he said he kind of shrugged it off because he knows he's playing great golf. He knows he's one of the top ten players in the world for the first time. And like, hey, it's just golf, and it happens. It, I think that was such a deflating moment for Rory that he that he he can't just shake it off, right? Obviously, the Masters means so much, but everything was trending in the right direction. All the momentum was building that moment, and for him to face plant there, I think is like shaking his entire foundation i think that's the player that we see five weeks later i can see
1: there's something there yeah i don't think you're reaching on that one because i you're right i mean he came into that one and it seems like all the stars were finally lined up that the green jacket was finally going to be his he was finally going to complete the career grand slam however i will say that it's not his game that he deflected on today as a matter of fact he kind of the the most in-depth answers he gave was what he's trying to fix with his swing and how he's coming along with Michael Bannon. And apparently Tycho Woods got involved, saw something on the coverage at the Wells Fargo and texted him. So that part he's fine still talking about. I, I still felt like there was a part of the old Rory McElroy that, that we've come to know and love. It was the part about live golf. It was the part about being this lightning rod where at the BMW PGA last year he was asked, you know, sorry to ask you another live question, and he just called for all of it. Nope, nope, give it to me. I want it all. And he just doesn't want that anymore. So yes, but we're, not even, I, we're think, not even ask. We're not even asking about that anymore. No, we did. I mean, he was asked specifically live golf questions today, and he completely specifically shut them down. I think uh, he was asked. Well, like our colleague asked him specifically, "Where do you see golf in three years?" And he goes, "I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball." That is very <laughs> unRory like. He does not shut people down like that. He was asked specifically about the narrative. Like, are you trying to sidestep the narrative? Yep. And that was it. That was his answer. That's very unrory rory like So you're right. I mean, I think whatever happened at Augusta National, whatever happened the next week with deciding to skip Hilton head and to pay that $3 million penalty, I think that all sort of compounded to the idea that, look, man, I'm done with all the outside noise. I just need to focus on the day job, which is playing good golf.
0: How much do you think, Rex, the – it's not public criticism, but it, it was almost a, almost a rejection – from PG tour commissioner, Jay Monahan with this $3 million penalty. Right. So, so Roy left open the possibility that, Hey, you know, I, I, I told him my reasons. Uh, he obviously understands how instrumental I have been to the PG tour over the past year, the, the burden, the toll uh, that, that I have um, put on myself to put the PGA tour in a better position for the future. Um, so he has those reasons. And if he, thinks that's justified that then, then yeah i'll probably get my money that way and, and jay monahan came out and although he uh in your opinion uh, showed the proper amount of empathy he said no the rules are the rules that's what's the regulations uh, and, and it's not going to happen do you think that there's lingering resentment anger embarrassment for how that all went down do you think that factors into this scenario as well you clean that up much better than last week.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it, I, I kind of slapped you on the still, nose with the newspaper.
0: That's, that's still that's still my opinion that it, that it was not handled as, as well as it could have been.
1: Apparently me pushing back stung. So you decided to workshop it and come up with a better way of saying it. No, I, I thought he showed uh, the commissioner showed a proper amount of understanding. I mean, when he talked about the idea that, that if Rory just needed a mental break. I mean, we're in a time in sports. We're in a time where you're not going to question anyone. If someone wants to take a week off, even if that week's going to cost you $3 million. But don't – then go. do it, penalize them.
0: If you're using mental health as a rationale, he had a choice. That's,
1: I think that was the how point it, I was was it different than a week. back
0: injury? Uh,
1: well, no. Uh, it's, it's much different because he's already chosen to skip one of the designated events, which you're allowed to do. He did not play in Maui at the Century Tournament of Champions. And this was just a, a corner that the commissioner was boxed into that he
0: couldn't get out of.
1: There was just no way for him oh, to overlook I mean, this a, and to
0: wave it off. It's a, it's, a, it's a nightmare to explain it to the rest yeah. of the membership.
1: Yeah, the rest of the membership have already like, – look, there's an element of the membership and not a small element of the membership that have already started to push back on Rory as sort of this front runner that he's redesigned the tour, that he and Tiger have come up with this concept of what they want the tour to look like. And pretty much the tour and Jay Monaghan are just falling and caving in. And so what they can't have, what Jay, the, the commissioner cannot have, is suddenly making it look like, okay, there are Rory rules. That can't, oof, Alan's tough. Rory rules. Rory. He, cannot, he cannot make reward. it look like. Yeah, reward. Uh, he can't make it look like that he's caving in on this one. So he did. What was best for the tour? He did what the regulations called for. I understand where you're coming from.
0: At the risk of alienating alienating your star and your spokesperson and your ally. most prized asset, yeah.
1: But I don't think that's what did it. Like, I wrote the column today on golfchannel.com. I don't think it's how he handled that $3 million and missing Hilton Head. I don't think that's what sort of brought him to the breaking point. I I really don't. I mean, my guess is Rory was disappointed. And how it played out. But I think this is a combination of the things that we've talked about. The idea that he was wildly disappointed with missing the cut at the Masters. The idea that all of this has finally caught up with him. That he's tired of being in the middle of the hurricane. He doesn't want to do this anymore. The idea that he's a decade now removed from winning a major championship. I
0: think that all just sort of collapsed on him at one time. So what does it mean, Rex, for... This week, if you'd asked me on January one, which major championship do you think Roy McIlroy is most likely to win? I would have said the PJ Championship at Oak Hill. And the 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 folks here, God bless them. I used to be among them, but they are running with this storyline that this is Roy McIlroy's hometown tournament. Obviously, his wife Erica is from the area. Uh, you, you know, with you're not buying 15, it. Twenty minutes away from here, he's played like twenty seven holes in his life. At Oak Hill, despite having an honorary membership, he's, he said the past two days he's played more golf here than he has in the in the previous uh, inter uh, inter intervening years. And so. Is he is he going to have slightly more support? OK, maybe. Is there is there more pressure for him to win at Oak Hill than Augusta National or any other the other venues? Uh No. I, I do not see, so I, I'm not. I'm not saying that Roy was was most likely to win because of of that scenario. That I'm 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 totally dismissing that cutesy storyline. I'm saying I would have circled him on January one because of this golf course. It is 7,500 no, I mean, yards. It is a it's yeah. a par 70. You have to drive the ball on a rope. All scoring opportunities are going to come from the I fairway. The yeah. greens are not. They're they're they they've been restored. Uh, the Friday did a great job of kind of illustrating the difference between now between now and 2013. Like they're different, but they're not. They're not severe in like a wing foot sense. And so, y- y- you know, you don't have to get lucky, so to speak. And so, if a winning score is going to be in that eight to ten under par range with this what this golf course is going to demand, like I thought, Roy McElroy, uh was, was going to win this tournament. I do not feel on the eve of this championship, but uh, nearly as confident in that in that prediction. What do you feel about his chances?
1: I mean, you're talking about on January 1st. I would say on May 1st, I was probably thinking that Roy was still the guy, and that's after missing the cut at the Masters. I just felt like, for your point, like this is the one that seems to bring out the best. And, I mean, look, he clearly hasn't gotten it done in a long time, but the skill set is still there. I mean, all the things that made him really, really good when he won at Valhalla and really, really good when he won at Kiowa – he does them as well if not better now in the current version however you're a long time removed from being like a beat writer at a daily newspaper yes they're fishing for this one but what else are you going to fish
0: for it's not like what are they going to write a story about you as the only local that's here no i'm not asking for a a, a human interest piece it, it, in regards to me the number of questions i have the, the local questions folded up here i mean it had to have been 8 if not yeah. more questions directly related to Roy's uh, affiliation to the area. Like, I give him credit. He didn't snap. He didn't say, like, dude, I barely know this golf course. Like, give me a break.
1: He was better with those answers than he was with the answers about Live Golf by far.
0: Yeah. I mean, he certainly, he certainly played nice with the local media. I get it. What do you, I mean, what do, you, what do you think? Is he going to miss the cut? Is he going to win? Uh, well, Is he going to top 10, uh, top 25? Uh, That's a where, good one. Where, where and, are we, where and, are we and, going?
1: I use this kind of as my kicker quote in my column. So this is, this is his line when he was kind of talking about the tweaks that he's doing with, my, with his swing right now. And he said, quote, there's nothing drastic that I need to change. I've been working a little bit on my swing the last couple of weeks trying to get that back in order. If I can execute the way I know that I can, then I should be okay. When a guy says I should be okay, that doesn't exactly ring hollow With the, oh, he's going to win a major championship. No one that's ever said on Tuesday, "Ah, I'm okay, has gone on to win on Sunday. I just don't believe that happens. Okay. So what does it mean? Are you you calling Uh, a missed cut? No, I think he will miss the cut. I feel like I kind of look at what he did. You think he's going to miss the cut? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I think he's going to make the cut. Sorry. Uh, I I, I think what we saw at Wells Fargo was probably – What what I expect, he'll make the cut, but it'll never be anything close to being in contention. Like, I I could see him doing a top 20, maybe even a backdoor top 10. But from what I I saw statistically of his game at Quail Hollow, and certainly what we saw at the Masters, it's just not there right now for whatever reason, whether if it's a mental block or if it's a physical change or if it's something about his swing. So, I mean, unless whatever Tiger saw and sort of dropped in his lap is going to be the magical fix, and when someone says, I'll be okay, that doesn't suggest the magical
0: fix is on the way. Well, the answer is six. Six questions were asked of Roy McRoy in regards to his connection to this area. I actually do thought it was more. count the whole time? But six. But six is a lot. Um, I, I, I'm with you. My expectations, honestly, are, are quite low. Or a player who at least has a, a two-way miss somewhere in the arsenal, this is not a golf course. So you're going to miss you, cut. That you wanted to do that. No. I think he's somewhere in the T twenty to T fifty range, just so kind of like a middling. I
1: just, just made the same guess. Yes.
0: Yeah. Just like a just like a middling finish. Uh, I don't think he's, I don't think he's lost enough to miss the cut, uh, but I don't think he's sharp enough to contend. I think that's the best way I can put it. One player, <laughs> I think, on the opposite end of the spectrum, and who literally bounded into the the, uh, the press conference area. Within five minutes of Roy McRoy is, is John Rahm. And I thought you made the, the very astute point uh, on live from earlier today that John, in contrast to Rory, has really stayed above the fray with the live wars. He's not emotionally invested himself in the o- outcome, he hasn't picked sides. He's tried to maintain some of the friendships with the players that he had previously. How do you think that that has manifested itself in a, a player who is who's kind of running roughshod over the rest of the competition right now?
1: I would argue that it's provided him lost a clarity that lost it again. That, I, lost know. It again. Uh, I know. It's because I had to change hands because I was getting a cramp. Uh, I, I would argue, <laughs> and now it fell out. Look, so whoever NBC Sports can help me with that. So let's just show it to everyone. That's fantastic. Uh, I I would argue that it's provided him a clarity of thought that Rory clearly does not have. And you're right. He's he's remained above it all. He's still friends with Phil Mickelson. He has always been since he turned pro. Obviously, his affinity, his relationship, his friendship with Sergio Garcia is well documented. And that's allowed him to sort of maintain the middle road. I mean, look, I, I think he's always maintained his allegiance to the PGA Tour. That's never been in question. But he has not been the one that's gone to the mic and questioned them about doing whatever it is they're doing. He's never questioned, why you why are you doing this for money? Why are you turning your back on the PGA Tour? For him, it's always just been a personal decision that they made, and he's moved on. And for him, I mean, can you imagine the different, the, the, just sort of the thought pattern difference between John Rom and Roy McIlroy on this particular topic where John has clearly not spent any time thinking about it. He's not wasted a second of energy on it, and Rory has dedicated at least the last 18 months, if not more.
0: I I think it's very interesting because remember earlier in his career, like John Rahm was was criticized for being uh, overly emotional, a hothead. He didn't kind of have the on-course comportment that you'd expect of a major championship, and I think he still maintained a lot of that fire and that passion on the golf course, but that has never trickled into John Rahm's personal life. He has always maintained an even keel. He's always maintained a perspective. He says he tries not to be judgmental towards anyone or their decisions. And I think that puts him in stark contrast with Roy McIlroy, who who tends to be uh, kind of emotionally based in some of his decision making. And thus, I think when you look at his performance over what is a Hall of Fame career, arguably one of the best European players ever, like there's a lot of waves, right? There's a lot of peaks and valleys that he's experienced oh, yeah. uh, throughout the last decade. Certainly John Rahm, he he, do, he doesn't have blips. He doesn't have, you, you know, dips in performance. Like he was asked uh, earlier today, like, what are some of the low points that you've had in your career? And he's like, hmm. <laughs> Had a hard I, time finding yeah, him. I like, had a hard time like, thinking of him, yeah. I didn't play particularly well in, like, 2018 or 2019. He still won on the European tour. Uh, he said, I didn't play particularly well uh, last year, um, at least according to my expectations. Like, he still won three times worldwide. Like, so I think I think that mentality that John Rahm has carried with him throughout his career actually helps him. It, it helps him have an equilibrium. It helps him. Stay above the fray, uh, as you said earlier today, and it, he just doesn't—he doesn't waste his time or energy on something that's not going to help his golf. I think is—I think is the simplest way to boil it down.
1: Well, and and again, this is kind of speculation because we fixed it well done, and we talked. Yeah, I tried, uh, and we talked about this after the fact. Like, we don't know what's going on in Rory's personal life. We're, we're basing everything that we're talking about now just on professional, like what happened at the Masters, what's going on with Liv Goff. I, I think there's probably something to be said for the idea that Rory has probably come to the conclusion that a lot of other people have come to, and certainly John Rahm has, that whatever is going to happen between Liv Goff and the PGA Tour at this point is inevitable. That whatever it is, whatever rhetoric you want to throw out there, it's not going to change the narrative. You're still going to have these two separate sides. Both sides are still going to be entrenched. We're still going to have lawsuits. So what this boils down to, are you going to waste your time and your energy and your focus and your probably most productive years as a professional golfer worrying about this? And it seems like John, whether if he did it consciously or not or organically, just came to this sooner than Rory did because you can see now in Rory, Ram is understands. staking
0: his legacy to his to his results, and Rory I think wanted to stake his legacy into into kind of being the leader of this tumultuous time in golf. You think that's fair?
1: Yes, I think it's fair and I'm done with that. Uh, I could I can see it when it happens too. That's, that's the aggravating part as soon as it comes up it mutes me whenever that thing falls out. Uh, and now I've got a cramp in my arm which makes it even worse. Uh, so the, the audio is going to be bad. I apologize in advance, please don't have me And
0: you're gonna uh, have to go you're gonna have to go see the PT. Yes
1: yeah, then I'm gonna have to go see the PT. Uh, I, I think that's probably a, a good assessment because, and again, I don't even know that John Rom or Rory came to that idea consciously or subconsciously. Because in, in Rory's mind, and he, he addressed it today, the idea that if his career was over today, he can still look back and feel like he was successful. And I'm sure John Rom probably oh, yeah, has. I mean, his... Yeah, I mean, obviously. Yes, it, but and I don't think that at any point Rory came to the conclusion that okay, I'm going to focus on this, live off the PGA Tour, get involved in this fight. And to the detriment of my playing career, because I feel like this is a better thing to do. In his mind, he probably thought he could do both. And I think we have since learned that he probably can't, at least not for a long, prolonged period of time.
0: John Rahm, I thoroughly expect to perform well this week at Oak Hill. I would put Scotty Scheffler in that same category. has not finished worse than 12th. This feels like a misprint. has not finished worse than 12th since last October. Um, he's actually my pick to win uh, this golf tournament. Uh, for the completeness of his game. I think it sets up uh, particularly well for his skill sets, but specifically his scrambling. So if we're talking about this golf course uh, in particular, Rex, I don't know how much you've uh, been able to be out on the golf course. Uh, You did cover the previous two major championships at Oak Hill. What feels different about this one and what can viewers expect uh, when this, when this shows up on Thursday morning?
1: It's starting to feel – I was just actually out on the golf course kind of walking with some players. It's starting to actually feel like a – it feels like a U.S. Open, which is kind of shocking. I think coming in, there was the concern, and we'll probably talk about this later, but whenever this event moved to May, so in 2019 when they moved from August to May, that these Northeast venues weren't going to hold up very well. Because, I mean, you know this being a native from up here. If you have a bad winter here, the golf courses aren't really ready to go by May. You need to have a good May, good June, maybe even in July before you get them – to where you want them. I, I've been told, South told me that they had 44 inches of snow in this area over the wintertime, which to me sounds like a lot of snow. I mean, that sounds like a terrible winter. Apparently, that's not too bad. And so, what we end up with is a golf course that's in much better shape than I think a lot of people gave credit for. And the rough is so juicy. The, the fairways are fiery. I, I'll go back to what Ricky Fowler told me at Wells Fargo. I was talking to him on Sunday trying to get an idea, get some stuff for this week. And I go, what kind of player do you think is going to win at Oak Hill? And he kind of thought back and he goes, uh, Jason Dufner won last time we were there. And I said, yes. And he goes, that's it. And he goes, the dude's like a robot. I mean, the USGA should use him to test irons and golf balls because back in that time period, back when he was at his prime, sharpshooter, Sharp Yeah, shooter. he was just a robot. He was, no one was going to confuse him with with Jason Day or Jordan Spieth on the green in or around the green, and no one was going to confuse him with Rory McIlroy off the tee. Well, you put an iron on his hands in the middle of the fairway. And it was like he was dialed in. And I think it's going to be very, very similar this week. I, I will say that out walking the first couple of holes, I was talking with some equipment reps. I think you need – I don't know if length is going to be necessarily important, but you certainly need to have some level of accuracy. Because if you're in the rough, I don't think you're going to be able to get more than an eight iron on the ball. It's going to be tough.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of there's been a lot of comparisons to wing foot that I have seen. And obviously we know who won uh, that U.S. Open in 2020. That was Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, no bomb and bashed his way to a six shot victory that week i don't quite see that the rough is not that long you can you can advance it like it's not gonna be a hack out central but it's so thick and it's so dense that it's hard to have control over which which i think is great like it puts a premium on on accuracy certainly but it's also a long golf course i mean it's seventy five hundred yards uh, it's only two par fives playing as a par seventy. Both of them are over 600 yards. You have four par fours over 500 yards. Like if you don't hit the fairway, those 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 holes are not birdie holes necessarily for par fives, and you're probably looking at bogeys if you miss the fairway on those very beefy uh, par fours. Like I don't think the scoring is going to be very good at all. And so you, you know these these fairways are are, are firming up. It's going to be really cold in the morning. Like we're looking at possible frost lay on Thursday. Like I think it's going to be a brute. I could think it's. I think it's everything you'd want in a major championship test. Uh, I think it's actually closer to like a Southern Hills than it would be like a Wingfoot U.S. Open. You know what I mean? Well, and it was an interesting conversation because look, the idea that
1: the PGA is not going to be able to come back to these northeastern venues, certainly Midwest. So you start talking about Whistling Straits, Medina, that seems to be out of the equation right now. But again, talking with Seth Wald this afternoon, I think they've actually been pleasantly surprised of what they've ended up with this This week. This could have been a horror show. This could have been a horror show this week. It could have been. And look, Kerry Haig, who is very much from England, not from Scotland, very much Mm -hmm. from England. Kerry Haig and I had a really good laugh about that. Friends, my colleague doesn't seem to be able to understand accents very I well looked. because i i've gone i've gone and we've done this numerous times and Lab seems to think 100 percent that kerry Haig is from scotland anyone that's ever heard kerry Haig speak please add oh. him
0: i drop want him to his do mentions. i want him to do ancestry.com i'm convinced he's very much he's, convinced he's from, from leeds.
1: leeds he sounds a lot he yeah, actually the accent sounds a lot like luke donald in my mind we had a good laugh at your expense this afternoon that's i've never seen close. kerry Haig. Uh, he's very much from England. It's, it's, this is, isn't even up for debate. This is very clear. Yeah. It, 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 he is where, he's from where he's from. Uh, but I've never seen him smile so much than talking to him this morning after his press conference because he has everything he wants. I mean, the only thing Kerry Haig and, and, and anyone who sets up golf courses for a living wants is the weather and the ability to do whatever. The, he's going to top off the rough and the, the fairways are firm and fast. That's all he could possibly ask for. Now, the rain on Saturday, probably isn't going to be optimal and certainly the it's cold going to be a sprinkle on thursday morning is not going to be optimal but other than that they've been able to do exactly what they want in this golf course and that i think you're right i think a brute is probably the best way of saying it. you said 10 12 under par that, no, that might no, be a I little said, aggressive I said eight i think i think we're looking eight to ten yeah that sounds that sounds better
0: and it seems like we're splitting hairs a little bit but i don't see double digits i'd be pretty impressed oh yeah that, that would certainly be uh an incredible display of golf if someone got to double digits under par. Jason Duffer, who won in 2013, was 10 under par. That's the lowest uh, score to par it's ever been uh, at Oak Hill. You mentioned uh, Kerry Haig, Seth Waugh, the CEO of the PGA. They also had a press conference today. Uh, What was your takeaway? The the first one for me was uh, the rollback. PGA of America was the last organization to weigh in on the proposed local rule, which would go into effect 2026, limiting distance at the elite level while not touching it. At the recreational level, honestly, I think the PGA of America's hands are, are already tied on this one. USJ and RNA obviously are going to adopt it. Uh, Fred Ridley, chairman of the Master Tournament, said that he was, quote, supportive of it. PGA really doesn't have much of a choice but to fall in line. He did say, uh, Seth, Waugh, the CEO of the PGA, said that he liked the fact that the recreational game would not be touched by this rule. He said, "We're finally getting people involved in the game, like we've been trying to do over the past couple of decades." So he's glad that's not going to limit distance for them. I think he struggles with. I think what a lot of people struggle with is the idea of bifurcation, right? Two sets of rules for professionals and amateurs. Some charm in in being able to play technically the same equipment as Roy McIlroy, play the same team, and see how you stack up. Uh, that will be lost potentially. With this rule, what so that was kind of my takeaway. What was what was yours from what the PJ officials said today?
1: Well, and the new golf ball rule is interesting because the three organizations you named that all seem to be on board at this point that's obviously the RNA, the USGA, and you're right, Augusta National seems to be angling in that direction. They don't have 20, I think it's 27,000 members that have a stake in this, that have some sort of money in this game. And we're talking about the club pros, and it is going to hit home for a lot of Seth Wall's members. And that's why he, I think he's the one that threw out there. It wasn't even a question to him. The idea of bifurcation probably doesn't land well with the PGA Championship. Uh, I mean, with the PGA of America. Whatever it is the professional game does, I think they would be fine with. Like They'll play by whatever the rules are for this particular tournament, for this championship. Their problem is, as you pointed out, it's at the amateur level. And he pointed to the momentum that golf got. From the pandemic, all the bad things that came from the pandemic, golf got a huge boost and they've been able to maintain that and anything that could potentially threaten that he's going to push back on. You're right. His hands are tied, but he's in a very unique situation. Like not only does he have to play ball with everyone else in the ecosystem, but he's got 27,000
0: members that he has to make happy. And this is going to hit home for them. You didn't touch on the storyline that I thought you were going to, which is the fact that the PGA Uh, world ranking reiterated the fact that they want the best field at the PGA Championship, regardless of a player's affiliated tour. That means that even if the live golfers continue to fall out of the top 100 in the world ranking, that they would have uh, still these special invitations. It, it's 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 certainly a gray area, isn't it, Rex? Because we're we're going to get to a point where right now there's five live players inside the top 50. Uh, the OWGR decision is expected. For a couple of months. We don't even know which way uh, they're potentially going to side with that application. And so I think it's reasonable to say by the time next year's PJ Championship rolls around, maybe you have one or two live players. And so the mm-hmm. PJ of America, when Kerry Haig sits down and pours over the research and meets with the committee to finalize who they're going to recommend for these special invitations to the PJ Championship, they're going to have to make some hard decisions. And weigh players who are not competing in like tournaments. That that potentially opens the PJ of America up to criticism. When you're when you're you don't have guidelines that are that are specific enough. It's always been kind of a murky area who's going to qualify, who's not going to qualify, who's going to be exempt, who's not going to be exempt. I just wish they would go and say we will we will make sure that the best players from this tour, the ones who are playing the best are, are going to be there and just have some sort of category for it. If you can do it for the Asian to, Australasian tour, if you could do it for the Japan tour, if you can do it for the Sunshine tour, if you could do it for the uh, International Tour of Federations, or whatever it's called. Like you can do it for live. They're just they are just not getting to that point yet. Uh, I think it's that
1: flexibility. Let's call it am- Ambiguity. And you're right. Like there's a lot of things that Kerry Haig does
0: in the PGA. Ambiguity America. is dangerous, Rex.
1: It is, but it's also in this particular case, it's going to benefit them in the long term because next year we're probably going to be sitting here having that same conversation. However, Kerry Haig will have the same cover that he has this year. That they feel like they they have the flexibility to look at each tour, at each player individually, regardless of what tour they play on, and decide is Taylor Gooch really playing well enough, and should he be in the field now? I think there's going to be people who don't like the answer. Don't get me wrong. And you're right. I'll go back to what you continue to harp on. And I don't disagree with you that the easiest fix, as you pointed out numerous times, is just to come up with whatever the list is. Pick the top five off the live money list, off the live points list, whatever it is you want to use that they that they the have order over of merit. It's all you have to do. Exactly. That's fine. And include them. That's the simplest fix, but it is not the easiest fix. Because you, what you're ignoring in that is the fact that PGF America is part of the ecosystem. And the others are not probably going
0: to fall in line with that. And you have to be cognizant Seth, of the politics of the moment. And, and Seth Waugh has been consistent. I, I remember yeah. back to Kiwa two years ago. that, he's, oh, yeah. that he's, he, didn't, he didn't like the idea of this. He didn't like where the money was coming from. He, did, he didn't think that this level of disruption was good for the game. Still the doesn't long-term. like the business model. I mean, he's, he's very, very he's still, outspoken. He, he still thinks they're burning through money. He still thinks it's not yep. sustainable. I'm not sure what that has to do with the fact whether these players are good enough and in good enough form to to qualify for uh, his PJ Championship. Uh, but I think that's another that's another topic for another day.
1: Well, and I will say, I mean, the, the bigger concern for me, like I think Kyrie Haig pretty much cast a wide enough net that – I hate to put it this way because he's going to talk around it, but Kerry Haig's is going to do whatever Kerry Haig wants to do in this particular case. The bigger deal in my mind is the official world golf conversation because Seth Wall is on the board and he probably said some things that in retrospect, he was in an article earlier this, this week in the times and where he's, where he's coming from. He needs to, to probably be a little bit more careful because this is going to become a hot button issue. It's probably going to become another lawsuit And I I don't disagree with anything he said. I think there is something to be said for the idea that his argument was this is the process. This is always the process. Every time we add a tour to the world ranking, this takes time. We have to look at what they're doing. We have to evaluate the long-term goals. We have to evaluate the strength of their field. It takes time. I understand that. I understand where he's coming from, but he's not helping the argument that there is the idea, certainly on the other side of the equation, the live side of the equation, That there's collusion on this side that's trying to keep Liv Golf out of the world
0: golf ranking. Yeah, it does seem like he needs to be more neutral than he yeah. has been. It's fine if he has an opinion, but I think there's a reason why Jay Monahan, Keith Pelly recused, recused themselves from that position because they were they were invested in it. They were, um, you, you know, they they're basically a stakeholder. And what this could potentially become, so it is a little bit of a dicey area as it relates to live golf. 17 guys in the field after Martin Kimer withdrew, uh, they finished three of the top six at the Masters tournament. How do you think the fair this week and who will perform the best?
1: I mean, I don't think anyone should be surprised if we end up with another leaderboard with one, two. I mean, we had three players and the mix going down to the final putt on Sunday at the Masters. And I, I wouldn't expect that to change. I keep going back to the, the cliche that it's become in my mind that Dustin Johnson is still a top 10 player in the world. Cam Smith is still a top 10 player. Certainly you looked at what Brooks Kepka did at the Masters. You know that, I mean, you can sit here and pick apart and you can make your choice to either like Liv golf or not like Liv golf. 54 holes, team concept, whatever the case may be. These are still top players and watching them play the last few days, I was just watching Dustin Johnson out on the range. He's still just a phenomenal player. And you look at this golf course and you would think, well, it's, it's right in his wheelhouse. There's no reason for him not to contend there. And I would make the same argument for Brooks Kepka. I think it makes it better for golf. I, I said this at the Masters. I know it's uncomfortable in Ponte Vedra. I know that they don't want to see that on the leaderboard. But if you're a golf fan and you've got a healthy mix of live players and PGA
0: Tour players atop the leaderboard going into Sunday, if you're not entertained by that, then maybe golf's not your thing. I mean, Oak Hill should be right up the alley of Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson, last week's winner on Live. There's no doubt about that. Taylor Goose's level of play that he's shown uh, over the past couple of months uh, is indicative of a player who's ready to take the next leap in a major championship. Overall, I don't think they're going to fare quite as well, and I think that's just a numbers game, right? There's 90-some-odd players at the Masters this year. Uh, You had 18 live players. This is 17 live players with 156 man field. Like the numbers are not in their favor. And I just think the caliber of tests that they're going to face will weed out some of those guys. Like this is not Abe Answers golf course, right? No. It would be, but that has nothing to do with live. It wouldn't be as close if you're still in the PC. That's what I'm saying. And so when you're like looking down the list of live players, like I think it's, I think there's only a handful of them uh, who will contend this week. But I do think that they will contend. It would not surprise me at all uh, if Brooks Kepka picks up his third PGA championship uh, and his fifth uh, major championship overall. I've I said that my pick to win is Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I don't know if he's a sleeper anymore uh, because I believe he's still one of the top ten players in the world. Uh, I think I think Tony Finau uh, is tailor-made for this type of golf course. long. Uh, he's a great driver of the golf ball. He's, he has the temperament. You mentioned like a U.S. Open style test. Like he has the temperament uh, to play well uh, on that sort of examination. You look at his U.S. Open record. It's actually the best among the major championships that he has played in his career. So he was a, a player that I would certainly keep an eye on. Cameron Young kind of fits that mold as well. What do you think in pick to win and a couple, maybe a couple other guys uh, who you, who you think could pop up?
1: I mean, John Rahm is impossible to ignore. I'm not going to double down on what you said because I'll go in the other direction. And actually, Jaime Diaz and Paul McGinley had a really interesting conversation on live from last night about sort of splitting hairs between the differences between John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. And, and Jaime's case was that if you compare him game to game, that it, you're almost looking in the, in the mirror. His argument was is that Scotty seems to be a little bit more consistent with the short game than what John Rom, but even, I mean, this version of John Rom. Scotty Scottie Scheffler,
0: like, arguably the best short game in the game.
1: And and I don't know that he putted his best. He was actually last in the field at Augusta, so that, that concerns me. But I will lean in that direction just for clarity on this between you and I, only because I feel like it, if it comes down to the idea that this is going to be a short game issue, like, and I, I believe it's going to be a ball-striking issue, but I still think that Scottie Scheffler has the best short game in the game at the moment i'll go a little bit and cam young's probably the one i mean if you're looking for the next jason duffner that robot is the guy that's that's the guy
0: what are you what are you shaking your head for i'm not sure those two have ever been mentioned in the same breath other more than more of a ball personality wise. <laughs> for they're, they're separated by 60 yards
1: no, no no more of a more uh more of a ball strike i mean if you watch if you look at cam young's numbers and i was talking with scott hamilton a screen coach the other day about this i'm like that robot should play well here and he said absolutely like that's who you look at when if, if jason duffner was the formula the last time we played here that the current model of that granted you're right hits it a lot farther than jason duffner that would be cam Young, i guess the one that that kind of interests me the most though if you're going to do it would be jason day coming off a mm-hmm. very emotional win last week in mm-hmm. dallas but i mean he's been trending i think i've been i've mentioned him on every podcast for the last few weeks he's just been trending in that direction i don't think either one of us we're surprised what happened on Sunday in Dallas. He's won this championship before. And I feel like that as long as he's healthy, which he does seem to be healthy, this would be another
0: good week for him. Uh, Terrell Hatton has certainly been trending over the mm-hmm. past couple weeks with relish this sort of test as well. How about last year's U.S. Open champion Matt Fitzpatrick? There's zero reason why with his added length, uh, mm-hmm. he cannot play well, especially if it co- becomes a scrambling contest. Uh, if the wind picks up or everyone's missing fairways and trying to get up and down, those are a couple of, uh, players that were top of mind uh for me as well rex i know you need, need to get out of there we need to prepare for evening live from just to put a, a fine point on the top of this podcast how everything comes back to poop, poop. here's a text is. why from my why? wife Every time? right now unprompted show it to us show it to us let's see it i can't it's on my computer it's on my iMessage. but it says she came home speaking to my uh one and a half year old daughter lily she came home with a huge poop in her diaper this was unprompted.
1: Uh, I, I understand. It, just, and, and I get that's it. Just I, fa- I'm a that's
0: just the phase of life we're in.
1: But I, I get Sport, it. I'm a parent. Pro- Parents probably, in the audience pro- are going to understand with this.
0: Your, with, your, with your three boys, all of whom are 18 or older, you have not had to deal uh, with them defecating. Nah, you'd be surprised. Uh, <laughs> probably not for the reasons <laughs> uh, that you could think. But that is, just, that is just the
1: phase of life. I just life don't that understand why in. we always have to get back to this. I mean, just. Can we just go somewhere else in the future? Why does it always have to come back to poop? Uh, Stay tuned for
0: the daily podcast. No
1: barbecue talk, but you had barbecue last night, by the way.
0: Uh, I did. The Golf Channel podcast with Rex and that. We'll be doing mini pods after each and every tournament round beginning, of course, on Thursday. Rex will be doing uh, a live show with us. Sunday night, late Sunday night after the conclusion of the PJ Championship. Of course, he will not be here. Uh, so let's, fingers crossed, we'll have the most epic major championship ever. I want a Rory, Rom, Scotty, Xander, Cantley Duel, top of the players of the world. Phil. just <laughs> Phil, Man. Bryson. Oh my God. The, the just world kicking myself just on the plane. Down. Screaming and at the guy there. sitting next to me. And I'm just sitting there. I've got a plethora of storylines uh, to choose from. So make sure you guys check out Live From. Make sure you check out GolfChannel.com for the rest of the week. We will talk to you guys on Thursday. what will hopefully be a great opening round of this PJ Championship at Oak Hill.